Do you dig music? We dig music. This is I Dig Music, presented by the Degenerates. Fuck yeah. <laughs> I dig it. All right, fuck That's boys hilarious. podcast. You are listening to episode two of the Degenerates present I Dig Music. Uh, we had so much fun the first time. We figured we'd come back for a second time. Um, we got Cheech. We got Johnny Utah. Uh, the other fuck faces couldn't make it today, but that's okay. How are we doing, Johnny Utah? Feeling fine. Feeling fine and dandy. Right. How about you, Cheech? I'm doing great, but I'm a little worried about our colleague's safety. Looking at his background, folks, there is a large lizard approaching the cityscape behind him. He's in danger, but he's here to talk music anyway. I don't know what's going on, Manny. Is everything okay there? He's domesticated. That's fine. Oh, that's a pet? Yeah, yeah, he's with me. See, I I figured he was just listening to a bunch of Public Enemy and just had to go let the rage out. (laughs) He's out there, dude. He's out there. All right, so today uh, we are going to kick it off uh, talking a little bit about musical beefs. Uh, This won't be the only time you hear us talking about beef. We might have a a long-running segment about beefs. Um, So if you don't hear your favorite beef and and you're a listener, you know, give us some tips. Give us some people you want to hear a shit talk about and their weak beefs. Um, With that said... I think I'm going to kick off one of the weakest beefs I can remember. Um, It's it's a beef that's dear to me. Uh, All right. So if you know me, I am most definitely a Kanye West fan, right? Um, Anybody who knows me will know that I used to defend Kanye West up and down. I will say this now, fuck Kanye West and everything he thinks about, right? But musically, as a rapper and a producer, you can't take away his greatness, right? Like, he is some sort of musical genius in his own right. Even if you don't like him as a rapper, there's a beat that he made that you bump your head to and you definitely like, and it's Kanye's stamp all over it. So with that bullshit out of the way, if I stand on Kanye, just realize it's musically, it's not the person Kanye. Um, Here at I Dig Music, we're going to do a lot of separating the art from the artist. That's okay, folks. That's okay. Please remember that. You can be a shit person and make great music. There's an old saying, dude. It's uh, no junk, no soul. And a lot of time, it carries weight, unfortunately. So I'm going to start it with one of the weakest beefs, but a beef that I think is pretty well-known. And I'm going to go Kanye West versus Taylor Swift. Like, don't you just have to laugh when you hear about that? Like, what a silly beef that could ever happen with one of the biggest names in hip-hop and then one of the biggest names in pop. Uh, So this beef comes back to 2009 at the MTV Video Music Awards. Um, Kanye West was heavy on the Henny that night and believed that Beyonce should have won the best female video. Um, so I'm pretty sure we can all remember it as I'm gonna let you finish. Uh, but (laughs) Beyonce should have won album of the year. So that, that is when that beef kicked off. Um, I believe the very next day, Kanye went on the late night show and apologized for it. Like it was a whole shit show. It was, it was the first time that I think people realized Kanye, the genius could also be a psychopath, right? Uh, (laughs) 
it wasn't all genius, and this was bordering on the line of what the fuck are you doing? Um, I mean, you can see you can see it on the face. Of, you can see it on the face of Jay Z and Beyonce, like trying to stop him from going up on stage. Absolutely mortified. I, I, mortified. to be honest, too, like we won't even get into the Kanye J beef, but I think that was one of the things that strained their relationship at that time. You know, sure. he was Kanye's fame. We'll say. Uh, was really getting to him. That's when that's when the old Kanye started to, to leave us, essentially. Yeah. Uh, that's when the new Kanye started to rear Ted, you know, Kim Kardashian's in the picture. Uh, things start to change a little bit. So that was 2009. So again, Kanye goes on late night show. He apologizes. You know, he does a few interviews. Taylor Swift says she, you know, likes Kanye as a person, uh, accepts his apology. And then we fast forward to the year... 2016 at that point that beef was dead nobody was was going uh back and forth with that anymore um but then Kanye comes out with that lyric where you know he's saying that he should have had sex with Taylor because he made that bitch famous uh <laughs> he sparked it right back up all over again um yikes <laughs> my man has like, never had the ability to read a room bro <laughs> <laughs> what a strange man and, and if you know me, right, like even in my athletes, like I like shit talkers, right? I like people who are braggadocious. I like I like that swagger, right? But for Kanye West to say he made Taylor Swift famous of all people, like what the fuck are you? Like, not that I dig Taylor Swift's music, but, you know, she's Taylor Swift for a reason. She was yeah. <laughs> in that spot for a reason. She had that spotlight for a reason. So for him seven years later to say he made her famous off of that instance uh beyond baffling to me um i i promise i'm over with this beef because it's so dumb after that taylor swift did an interview she was up in arms kind of called her a bitch plot twist kim kardashian released a video of taylor swift approving kanye using her in that song yeah, yeah. so is yeah. it are we aghast that he said it are we just playing up to the camera trying to get more sympathy right <laughs> that, that's what her career seems like to me sorry all the swifties whatever the fuck you call yourselves come after me if you want um a dangerous group to go after <laughs> yeah it is a danger we're yeah. probably already episode two bro that's a scorned <laughs> that's a scorned subject you just went after hey we all have our opinions just like assholes so leave me alone about mine mm. right it's true it's true so, i'm with him I'm with that's him. how we're gonna kick off our beef you know, somewhere in the middle, um, something that I think everybody has heard of so far, uh, but you get the gist of of what we're going to do here with our with our beef sessions. Now, who do you think won that beef? I mean, was there a winner and loser? So, if you're asking me, as a music fan, Taylor Swift by far, right? Because she looked like the victim. She didn't. She she did all the interviews correct afterwards. You know what I mean? It was. You know, hopefully he gets some help. I, I think he's a great guy, blah, blah, blah. She she, she played the media game better. Oh, uh, yeah. For a hip-hop fan who doesn't necessarily feel Taylor Swift. So, for me, um, <laughs> I, think, I think it was Kanye being Kanye, and I think it showed that he really thought he was a motherfucking genius and he could say and do whatever he wanted. That, that to me, was like the preamble for, for all of the trouble that he got himself into within this past year, it's like, you guys should have seen that coming. The dude <laughs> at like the Grammys is cutting people off and slurring off a of Henny. So, you know, in my opinion. 
and that's the thing is like no one stopped him. There was no repercussions from it. Like that was it was the, the biggest pop star in the world, you know what I mean? And for him to just be able to do that and to have zero repercussions from it, it's like, all right, I'm invincible basically. <laughs> so I'm gonna yeah. say this. I'm gonna say this as like any other fucking vlogger. So it's gonna sound so dumb when I say it, but Kanye is like the softest dude that gets the most rep, I feel like, in the entire world. Like his whole shtick isn't gangster. It isn't, it's like pastel guy with the fashion and shit, but people are still like, oh my God, <laughs> fucking Howard, why? <laughs> Says who? To be fair, devil's advocate. I think people sense the fucking crazy, man. I, I, I think, think that's really, I, I think, think it's, it's a little I bit of what it is, that little good. unstable. There's something there, dude. I don't know <laughs> it's something about his soul or something that I'm sure it gives off a vibe. Yeah. Did you get to watch that uh, Rogan interview? It was a good long piece of unedited footage. Uh, pretty telling. I did. I And this is and this is one of the reasons why I, I like Rogan's style, because he gives you <laughs> almost too long of a time to make yourself... <laughs> Either look yeah. better or worse. <laughs> better or worse, man. He's like, here's the stage you know, guy. That was one of the worser ones. But hey, you know, at, at least you got to say your piece unedited. Nobody was, yep. was staring you along. You got to say exactly how you felt. Um, you know, if you came off like a more of a psychopath because of it, you know, so be it. <laughs> right. there's, a, there's a very thin line between genius and crazy. And Kanye loves to dance on that line. Very true. Yeah. <laughs> Very true. I mean, you He's can probably call it. That's hilarious, dude. The Swifties are going to come for I us. don't know if you mentioned it, but it, I think we'd be remiss not to mention the, the death of his mother as a huge catalyst in a lot of this uh, behavioral changes. You know what I mean? When you pair that fucking meteoric rise with the money being surrounded by yes men chance you you know fucking taking cracks at kardashians and then you know your mother tragically passes away in the midst of all of it like very unexpectedly man that's got to be whew. i wholeheartedly agree it's it's something that's almost heartbreaking about you know someone in that position of power losing their their compass essentially right their rock their their person in charge that could pull them back right because i i think you hit the nail on the head a lot of the people around him and it seems like this again i don't know kanye personally right but it seems like this to this day they just allow him to do and they're like yep and yes and we'll fix that and yes and it's it's in his detriment sometimes where I feel like if his mother was still around, he'd maybe be a little bit more grounded or, or whatever the case may be. Um, but here I am a talentless fuck talking about other people online. So what do I know? Right. Yeah. <laughs> what the fuck do I know? Um, from a place of balance, I think you can comment on what you're commenting on. <laughs> <laughs> it's fair. It's fair. Stern, but fair. <laughs> That's what I got for you guys. So, you know, not my best beef. Uh, it, it reminded me a lot, and maybe we'll get into this later, but it reminded me a lot of, like, when Eminem would, would poke shots at, like, the Britneys and the Christinas. It's like, yeah. it's a one-sided bout. You, you don't really have to be doing this right now, but okay, I get it. <laughs> We're taking here shots. now. <laughs> taking shots just to take shots. Yeah, just to take shots. And 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 it's more about who you're taking a shot at rather than yeah. 
out. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. you got the boss to go there. So, you know, good for you. Good marketing. Yeah, it was the right time to do it, too. The TRL era. You know yeah. what I mean? You <laughs> had to. <laughs> Clicks and views. Johnny Utah, you're up, hey. brother. Tell us about your oh. beef. So I got a, I got a little bit of an older beef. You know, this, you know, starts in the, the early 70s here. Oh, this is see, this is what I like. This is this is the variety I'm looking for, bud. <laughs> you got uh Neil Young versus uh Leonard Skinner. Oh, okay. Okay. That's one I wasn't aware about. Fill me in. Fuck oh. Neil Young, dude. <laughs> oh, so you know, Neil We're Young sides here. Okay. already diving right in. I'm a big Leonard Skinner guy. Okay. <laughs> so uh, Neil Young, liberal Canadian, you know, uh, and we're talking 1970s civil rights, you know, uh, Deep South, Leonard Skinner, you know. Um, so Neil Young comes out with a song in 1970 called Southern Man, where he's basically like <laughs> takes a big like whack at all of the South of america pretty much <laughs> the whole thing the whole, the whole fucking thing the whole sound. <laughs> just lumps them all into one category kind of just shits on pretty much everything you know he was saying that he was you know in, you know in the lyrics he was trying to say that you know he was trying to go more towards civil rights and make awareness about that and blah 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 the racism going on down in the south how terrible it was um but basically just lumping everybody in into one one big group down there so people are furious. Everyone, you know, Southern guys are all boycotts. Now, so <laughs> two years later, what does he do? He doubles down and puts out a song called Alabama, where he again just is just shitting on everybody. <laughs> What's up with this fucking guy, <laughs> bro? He's been on this shit for what fifty years now, dude. Yeah. He's, like he's as legit as they come. He's like Bernie Sanders, dude. And again, he tries to like sixties and shit, you know. He tries to backtrack a little bit, saying, you know, it wasn't my intentions to single out Alabama, and it was more of, you know, like a metaphor. And it's like, bro, you called the song Alabama. <laughs> so that motherfucker um, by name. So now, uh, Leonard Skinner and Ronnie Van Zant, the lead singer and guitarist, um, he was actually uh, a pretty big Neil Young fan, you know, um, on the, the cover of uh, Street Survivors, their, their, I think it's their second album, he's wearing a Neil Young t-shirt. Uh, so mm-hmm. he was a fan. And, you know, he's on, you know, he's on record saying like, you know, I can't just <laughs> sit by and let this man just, just shit on my, in my entire heritage and all my people of the South, you know, he's like, uh, you know, uh, he said that, uh, we thought Neil would, Neil was shooting all the ducks in order to kill one or two. We're Southern rebels. Uh, but more than that, we know the difference between right and wrong. So he was taking umbrage against you know, the fact that he, you know, him and all his friends, family are getting lumped into, you know, exactly what Neil Young was trying to go after. And actually from all this beef, that's where the inspiration for Sweet Home Alabama came from. Oh, shit. Yeah, obviously, you know, and, you know, Besides Freebird, yeah. probably Leonard Skinner's biggest song. white people's anthem. I think KFC was to use it too. I'm telling you. Motherfuckers oh, were uh, like, yo. So, you know, so. And, and rock, uh, everybody. Um, 
you know, in the song Sweet Home Alabama, Dan Zent proudly sings, you know, I hope Neil Young will remember Southern Man Don't Need Him Around Anyhow. And that's like, that's big white guy beef, you know? That's yeah. like, <laughs> like, what did he say? That's <laughs> it. That's the oh, equivalent to cut the malarkey. Cut the malarkey. <laughs> yeah. Bro, Hold on a second there, pal. <laughs> Yo, you put that in the record, man, or at least it. It's sassy as fuck. <laughs> oh. Um, so that was, you know, that was a huge beef. And, you know, obviously, you know, uh, Ronnie Danzant and a majority of Leonard Skinner died in a plane crash um, only a few years later, uh, wiping every, you know, basically the whole band out. Um, and actually there was a, a, a rumor or more of an urban legend that Ronnie Danzant was actually buried in a Neil Young t-shirt. And, uh, you know, his wife denied it, but apparently... Uh, you know, people wanted to check out for their for themselves and desecrated his grave to find Jeez. out if he was buried in it. So, so this beef goes deep. So it goes deep. So they had <laughs> they had a There's Canadian <laughs> government agents digging up bodies. <laughs> have the they documents. Had a, his family had to move like where he was buried. It's crazy. Oh, White people. It's crazy fucking story, man. Bro, you know, every time you said that, I thought of uh, Silvio Dante. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> My head, I'm like, oh, oh. <laughs> um, but, uh, I mean, you know, it's pretty good beef in my mind because obviously it, it, it spurned one of the biggest songs of the 70s and, and you know, obviously the anthem of Southern rock. Fuck yeah, dude. That's pretty dope. Yeah. I mean, that's that's that song is so huge to this day and to think that's what spurned it that's pretty yeah. cool yeah, yeah yeah see sometimes beef can be fruitful you know what i mean yeah, it can, it's fruitful beef <laughs> it can help the create i can't imagine that going any better for leonard skinner i'm biased but i'd right? say that worked out really well for them you can't go to a fucking hardcore metal show without hearing play free bird at least twice <laughs> yeah do you or know play the solo to fuck it? You know, it's, it's any just, other bands during that time frame clap back as well, or was Leonard Skinner the only ones that was like, you know what, fuck this, Sweet Home Alabama? <laughs> you know, I'm not sure. I uh, I would assume that there would have been some bands, but nobody obviously as big as, as Skinner at the time. Yeah, that's cool. I'll go right off the top of the head for mine. I'm gonna flow right into it and change it up. In that time era, I'm gonna. I had a different one, and I'll bring it up because I don't know too too much about either of them. But we'll start early, stay in Malone's era. What about Bob Dylan versus the fucking people? For versus everyone. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know about this, Malone? Malone, this is kind of your wheelhouse. I'm, I'm assuming you know about this story a little bit. You might have to elaborate a little bit. Okay, so. Uh, I don't have exact years pulled up. I legitimately just pulled this out of my ass from memory because you spurned a you spurned the thought. So uh, there was an era in which Bob Dylan, you know, famous singer songwriter, was writing all and writing and performing all of his songs on an acoustic guitar. Um, I believe it was Leo Fender came to him directly when Fender was still around and said, "Hey." I have these new guitars. I would love for you to play one. They're electric. You plug it in into an amplifier. It's, you know, you can, you can play it to more people with this system and with more clarity and whatever. So Bob Dylan was like, you know what? I'll try it. 
he came out and people were fucking pissed, dude. Yeah. It was like you would have thought he came out and you know desecrated a Bible in the '60s, right? Like it was, it caused an uproar, dude, just because he fucking started using electricity. Yeah, as soon as you started saying, I know exactly where you were going with it. Um, yeah, yeah, it was it was crazy because he was, you know, he was Bob Dylan, the poet. You know, he was playing acoustic. It was just him going around from you know coffee shop to coffee shop all around you know san francisco and you know living the beatnik life and you know being like this you know this god to people in the 60s and stuff but then he was like moving smoke with stories it was like basically when like hulk hogan turned heel with nwo it was like what dylan's gone electric like (laughs) you feel like do you feel like it it like sucks to be a fan because fans sometimes ruin it for other fans like I always think of that when an when an artist who isn't very established does like an experimental album, and I'm like, "Yes, <laughs> you sure about that?" <laughs> 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 but it's it's weird because sometimes it's the fans' fault because you didn't give it a shot or you didn't want to allow that artist to try something new, um, and maybe get something really dope if you gave it a second. Um, but we are, as fans are so quick to be like, ah, oh, that doesn't sound like your first album or, oh, I haven't heard this one before that we fuck it up sometimes and artists don't want to experiment as much or whatever the case yeah. may be. Yes. But you're saying this time Bob Dylan was just like, all right, fuck everybody. I'm confused. <clears throat> this is, oh man, this is, it's kind of the same thing, right? You know what I mean? Um, but as far as technology involvement, I guess it's slightly different because his product, his end product wasn't going to change. It was just the delivery method was Mm -hmm. what kind of fucked people up. And, you know, admittedly, especially at that time, there was a big difference between the feel of an acoustic guitar and the feel of an an electric guitar, right? Now there's some pretty good uh, bridges and stuff. And a lot of people that use acoustic guitars have special pickups you're still plugging the fucking thing into an amplifier and playing it like you wouldn't electric but you know it's specialized equipment for that application but um i can't say that's the same as like an experimental album right you know a good example of what you're talking about uh is chiodos they're kind of screamo famous screamo band you know our buddy tommy gabriel was on our other show He's, that's right up his alley, all that AFI, fucking all that shit. So anyway, they lost, they have this famous singer. Um, They lost him and they lost their drummer. And in a band like that, that's your fucking backbone, right? You might as well rename that motherfucker at that point in most scenarios. (laughs) Dude, the album they put out with that new singer and new drummer was fucking hands down the best shit they ever put out. But their fan core expected what they had put out prior so they didn't open to it at all you know what i mean people like me from the outside were like yo this new shit's dope people like you like this new singer i'm like well yeah like Uh, fucking purest gatekeepers like go get out yeah right (laughs) that motherfucker is back in the band like an album later as i feel like it right yeah yeah it's like why are you afraid evolution man (laughs) whatever dude 
Well, you know, and at the end of the day, I mean, obviously it pulled, it paid off for, for Dylan. Um, you know, he went from folk singer to, you know, rock and roll, uh, you know, icon and legend, you know, all of his best albums are, are backed by, uh, you know, a full electric band, you know, mm-hmm. highway, highway 61 revisited blonde on blonde. Like, so it paid off, but I think it was just such a shock to all his fans that were just used to him playing nothing but acoustic sets, you know, it was just like, you know, almost like Marty McFly in back to the future. When it's like, <laughs> yeah. You this? <laughs> I mean, it's probably well known. I'm not, I'm just taking a stab in the dark from what we're talking about, but I bet you there's a fucking clear demarcation where he went to electric, where things uh, started to switch from like that kind of quintessential singer songwriter style that we were used to that sound to whatever it morphed into in the 60s and 70s where you started to get like the ccrs and all those guys so you know what i mean oh yeah it's it's, it's that move had a lot of fucking ripple effect i'm sure like a lot more than we realize well so he um he actually ended up you know so he got bob dylan got uh backed by an electric band called um it was uh ronnie and the hawks um which ended up being a lot of the guys that formed the band you imagine uh, yeah fucking ronnie and the hawks and you're playing with and bob dylan (laughs) (laughs) Um, so you know like i was like i said like the hawks basically turned into the band uh they called themselves the band because they were practically you know they were in upstate new york uh like farm town and you know walk around town and everyone just knew them as oh that's that band that's the band so that's that's the band that's in what they go they went with but uh yeah they backed up bob dylan for years and then you know became one of the biggest selling bands in the in the country themselves beasts yeah well, yeah there's a lot of that like the Yardbirds and fucking all those connections with uh who is it clapton and page i believe yep yep which obviously yeah, turned into fucking eric clapton and jimmy page you know and jeff beck was in that band too yeah jeff beck that's a yeah you know, almost every time I talk about them, someone's like, don't forget Jeff Beck. I'm like, yeah. I was getting there. Jesus Christ. <laughs> Slow down. <laughs> I swear. One thing at a time. Uh, sorry, Clapton and Page wasn't enough? I'm sorry. I know. So, second beef. This one's funny. Kind of along the lines of the goofy one that Block came up with. Uh, it's Kid Rock and Tommy Lee. <laughs> 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 so, basically, these two were fighting over Pamela Anderson. Uh you know, she was she was the girl at the time, and she had recently divorced Tommy Lee and Kid Rock. I think they had gotten along at one point too, which is the funniest thing. You know, it's just like, don't sleep with your your boy's exes, or this shit will happen. So anyway, Kid Rock moves in for the kill, presumably, and Tommy Lee, according to legend, had been emailing him just harassing him all this fucking stuff uh trying to probably live a little in his head so the next time bob Ritchie saw homie in person he fucking punched him dude he fucking punched him right in his face so detroit bob ain't playing games you know he's a bit of a fucking maniac <laughs> he'll shoot bob like kids he'll punch people dude on the red carpet you don't give a fuck <laughs> was this the, uh was this the ball with the ball uh kid rock years yeah oh yeah yeah that dude it was playing. probably right around like cowboy you know what i mean like i'm trying to be a cowboy hanging out with uncle cracker dude you remember <laughs> that guy 
Oh yeah. <laughs> He's a fucking character. <laughs> Kids Rock Kids Rock is like, there's a new big dick in town, Tommy. <laughs> right? And then you just see that meme of him fucking walking down to the beach. <laughs> looking like Squidward and shit. <laughs> now, all right, I gotta I gotta call you out for something here, okay? Yeah, yeah please. Did you Google Rock and Roll's greatest beefs? And was that the first one that popped up? No. Because I did that, and Tommy versus Kid Rock was the number, awesome. was the very first beef I saw. It's like the only one I can remember. It was because I fairly, did that. Because I did that. <laughs> no, nah, it was fairly recent in my mind. Um, I was thinking of doing Frankie from Muir, um, and I, but I couldn't remember who he was fucking beefing with. Hmm. And I Googled it, and they were like, Frankie from Muir. Bro, they have like 22,000 Instagram followers. You know what I mean? I was like, Jesus Christ, where do I find this article? <laughs> this shit happened 10 years ago with some obscure fucking hardcore band, dude. So, like, Rod Stewart had a good one with someone, too. But that's another fun. episode. There's, there's going to be so many good ones that we're going to catch up to that you're going to be Fuck like, yeah. oh, yeah, those assholes. Uh, the only other one I was going to bring up for tonight was uh, when Metallica shut down Napster. Uh, I, know not like a, I know that's not like a, a, a back and forth beef, but it was like for for us who are a little bit older, who remember the internet when it was fairly new and you couldn't just get everybody's shit streaming everywhere, like mm. Napster and LimeWire and all that shit was huge. And I remember Metallica like testified. I think they went after like a Rico after the company <laughs> that was. Fuck yeah, they did. They were at the um, forefront of that argument. Got yeah, that they shit. Were, they want to get down. paid. Yeah, and now you think about uh, like Spotify and Apple Music, and you hear the prices that artists are getting for streams, and it's like, <laughs> like you know. That? That's one of those evidence, uh, excuse me, that's one of those scenarios where I responded to evidence. I remember, because I grew up, I love Metallica, and then I saw him do that, and I was like, yo, these fucking snitches, bro. I wouldn't listen. Your last album sucked anyway, bro. Sid Anger's going to suck, bro. That's you know what I mean? I was all fucking sour. Uh, became a musician in a band and, you know, hit my 20s, I think. I was like, I fucking get it, yo, dude. I would have fucking done the same shit. You got to pay me for my music, motherfucker. You got me coming out here and doing all this bullshit for fucking sucking dick for Skittles. Isn't it funny though that the music industry now, like if you're an artist, you're, you're, you're making your money on tour. You're not making your money (laughs) on however many people hear your shit because people have Spotify premium all day and can listen to it. And you get fucking half of a, half of a cent off of each one of those like you know what I mean? Like that's why to this day you can go to a Metallica show. It's in <clears throat> MetLife Stadium with a fucking quarter mile stage. There's you know three fucking hoodies with twelve colors on them just for that venue at every show. Like they're legit. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, there's a reason for that shit because that's how they fucking make their money. You know what I yeah. mean? They're not making it on the actual effort of writing and creating the music. And the production of the stage show, you got to think about the guy that's got to come press the button for the fireworks, the two dickheads that handle guitars. The, it's, you know, it's, 
I got into a conversation with a woman. She was like, I can't believe Pink is charging $200 for tickets. I'm like, can you tell me the last time you paid for one of Pink's fucking songs? No, seriously. (laughs) You like Pink as an artist. What was the last time you actually supported her? You haven't. You fucking turn on your radio. You listen to all this shit for free. You enjoy your music. You get on YouTube. All the while, you know, you just expect her to exist and be able to fucking undertake this massive endeavor of recording music and getting it mixed mastered distributed printed and like do you hear yourself <laughs> i think this fucking start a t-shirt company and then just start giving me t-shirts how's that sound <laughs> well uh, you know listen i'm you know i didn't make any mention of it in the first uh episode but you know here we are in the second episode with perfect opportunity the grateful dead set this up back in the 60s it was like yeah we don't need to sell a ton of albums we're just going to tour like crazy. We're going to get a following. We're going to get, you know, everybody that comes to the shows. And that's where the real money's going to be. You know, we're never going to have like the hipsters, song. bro. We're never going to have a number one song. We're never going to have a number one album. But we're going to have a, a constant flow of people that come to our shows. And we're going to tour all over the place. And that's where jam bands like shine. You know what I mean? So you could be yeah. like, oh, I was in the crowd and I seen them get stuck on the the stage or whatever the <laughs> but I will, I will say this I will say this about Metallica though um, as bad as they looked at that moment like man it, it, the floodgates could have been just ripped wide open oh yeah the, the heyday of the internet and everything like that would have came oh, to yeah. like, music and streaming and everything didn't you see the Napster guy like streaming on Spotify punching the air like <laughs> yeah I was <laughs> doing <laughs> this close <laughs> Oh, man. <laughs> but, I, but, but you know, man, Napster and then LimeWire and all those Lime other Those shits were bangers. I had everybody's it's album. It's wild, bro. Getting yeah, all, wild. getting just all the viruses on my computer. You want to really <laughs> blow your fucking mind? They were, they were You know what those... Back then, Sorry, go ahead. Fucking live your life online, shopping for everything, you know what I mean? Oh, yeah. You're like, yeah, whatever. I'll just wipe this whole shit and come back tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> You want to fucking blow your mind think about this you know what the figures of what artists make on spotify right they say we can only give you like 30 bucks this month dude you only got 10,000 plays they turn around they give joe rogan 150 million dollars bro <laughs> what are we doing and this is and this is where again uh, not that he doesn't have a great product right but Holler at us. We can we could chair on some of that. We can figure it out. Wild kid. Wild. Mad, right? Yeah, it's crazy. It's mad. It's kind of crazy. It is a little fucking it was a little mad, bud. Uh I think that was good though. That was a good start to beef. Uh like I said, you'll hear more us bringing up beef here and there. Um, maybe we'll start a segment for it. Uh, if you guys got any beefs you want us to talk about, definitely reach out and let us know. Um, cool. Where's guys- the beef? <laughs> and that's us digging music. <laughs> Tying it off for the degenerates. 